Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's Big Fall Sale. Get thousands of styles from just 5 bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long-sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just 5 bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an MLB podcast Friday, March 29th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. Oh, buddy. Opening day in the books. It was yeah. kind of a long, it was kind of a long day. I, I enjoyed watching the baseball. <laughs> enjoyed watching the baseball. Good lord. I sounded terrible like that. Um I enjoyed <laughs> watching baseball. Um sometimes it can feel like baseball season can feel like a grind, but the season starts pretty well. I have to say that from a stacks perspective, things worked out pretty well. Like we wrote up the Cubs and the Yankees, not so much with the Blue Jays. We'll talk about that in a second. But your thoughts on opening day, did it exceed your expectation? I know you were texting me later in the day kind of about the Bryant, the Bryant and Bias kind of things. We had ended up stacking those guys. But um, any feelings about kind of how opening day kicked off yesterday? We also nailed, in if you listen to the podcast yesterday, my prediction about the Brewers versus Miles Mikolas, who looked every bit the pitcher that was actually bad but looked kind of good because he ran hot in terms of ERA last season. So uh, that was another win. Yeah, I mean, opening day tends to be one of the more predictable days, all things considered, because you have mostly really good pitchers and the contrast between the haves and the have-nots is pretty stark. Uh, there's also a lot of teams, so you don't necessarily, or a lot of teams playing. So you don't need to necessarily settle for bad plays as much as you might on a smaller slate. So yeah, it went well, I'd say. I mean, it was pretty harrowing. Like nothing will sober you up faster than, having multiple guys hit home runs and still like kind of barely cashing because baseball is just so variable. But uh, all that said, you know, still definitely feeling good about it. I will say that I was in, we were in our like members only chat, which you can get, a, you can get into in DFSR.com slash deals. But the um, Greg Bird tilt was very real for a little while when he was like over three with three Ks and everyone else in the Yankees was having no problem getting on base or hitting home runs against uh, Andrew Kashner. Kashner. And then, um, and then Bird just shows you why, one, baseball can be silly at times, but two, why it just doesn't pay to start complaining after one at bat. Oh, I actually want to make a mention about this too, about something else, but um, why it just doesn't pay to like go crazy after one, you know, three at bats or three plate appearances or whatever, four, because he just homers in his last his last plate appearance and then, you know, all all's forgiven. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Is there any more quintessential baseball just dumb fan kind of thing than booing Phillies fans booing Bryce Harper after he was Oh, did I, I didn't mention this to you or before we started the podcast that I, no. I thought that was also just the most laughable thing although i watched the video i didn't actually watch a phillies game but i watched the video and it seemed like they were booing him getting walked you know because it was an intentional walk rather than booing him and i think the narrative was more like that they were booing bryce harper because he did get a standing ovation at the beginning of it but yeah he had a rough day and uh if they didn't boo him today they'll boo him next time so like the phillies fans have booed chase utley and like all these actually Philly's institution. So yeah, he won't be in the 10 years he's going to be there. He'll hear some booze. I want to say too, the reason I think it was just like a hardcore boo is because I just, I grew up in Philadelphia and just have lots of friends that are from Philadelphia fans. So I was on Facebook yesterday, just kind of scrolling through and someone posted about how Bryce Harper had worn a Philly fanatic cleat, green cleats to right. for his first game. And you know, that was like kind of like the fun little narrative. And then I saw two friends of mine from one from college or two friends from college that were like, yeah, but he went over three. And I was like, oh, okay, no, they do. They are mad about it. Like they are like it is the over three thing is the thing that's bothering me. And I almost, I resisted the urge to jump in 
because I answer this question a thousand times a day during baseball season to our members, and I don't. I'm kind of in the thing where I need to be getting paid to answer this question rather than just jumping in with friends. <laughs> totally fair. <laughs> jumping in with friends, I think, to do it. So I, I stopped myself because I figured I'd have plenty of opportunity to do it in our members only, <laughs> members only chat. You honestly could have just control left and pasted whatever your Harper response was from two years ago when we wanted to play Harper, but everyone, or was it three years ago? I don't know. There was some year where we had Harper a lot when he was slumping and just comical lack of knowledge on display in our members only chat. So we're going to do a basketball. That might've actually been when it was not members only. Actually, that might've what moved us to making it members only. <laughs> so. It probably was like, okay. Oh, baseball was definitely where we moved over to members only chat. Um, that was a hundred percent. was the case. What else are you supposed to do? Uh, okay. Let's break down a Friday baseball slate, a little smaller than opening day. Some teams, they don't play a ton of back-to-back games to start the season. Just uh, for whatever reason, it's how baseball rolls. They usually do it a little differently where they start, um, like they start like at least on a Sunday and then roll into Monday or, or Monday's opening day and then Tuesday. So the, the schedule does start a little earlier today, or excuse me, a little bit earlier this year. We only have eight games on the schedule today. And one interesting thing about the way the schedule breaks down, and you mentioned it sort of off the air, is the run lines for these games are really low. There's only one yeah. game that has an over-under of nine. Or excuse me, there's two over-unders of nine with very thin spreads. The rest are eight or seven and a half, um, which means – and the reason I mention this is because that just means there's a lot of good pitchers going. When you see when you see mm-hmm. run lines that are this uh, low across the board, it just means either the, the offenses across the board are bad or the pitchers across the board are good or both. And I think that's kind of where we're going to end up landing, where I think stacking – you could see yourself probably just in cash games – either stacking a, a team against a decent arm that doesn't feel all that comfortable or just maybe one-offing a batter here or there depending on batting order. But we'll go through some of the uh, the considerations. All right, let's start off the pitcher. I have three on my list that I think that we can consider for cash games. I'm assuming that we'll align at least on two of them. Where do you want to start uh, with pitcher for cash games? DraftKings, FanDuel, I think the nature of the pricing doesn't mean we're going to make too many different decisions based on uh, whether or not we're playing on one of those sites. Yeah, I guess we have to start with Garrett Cole, right? I mean, in terms of the pitchers that are pitching today, he's got to be the only one that's in that true aces-ace category. Uh, Last year, joins the Astros, somehow increases his strikeouts per nine by 50% up to the the real stratosphere, the 12.4 Ks per nine, uh, only increased the walks up to 2.88. So uh, yeah, just a a true stud. Uh, He's the only one of this class going today because he just is... I don't know, lucky enough or unlucky enough to share a team with Justin Verlander. So while the rest of the world is throwing out their number twos, number threes in some cases, the Astros, you know, are still throwing out one of the top five pitchers in all of baseball. So if you're looking for safety, he's probably a pretty logical place to begin. Uh, The matchup with the Rays is not, you know, we talked about this yesterday for Verlander as well, but it's not as good as it's been in the past. The A's definitely have, or I'm sorry, the Rays have a little bit of spunk to them, but, you know, pitching in one of the best pitchers parks in the majors again, on a day where there's a lot of decent pitchers going. Uh, I think Cole is the clear, like if you're going for a stud, he's the clear guy today. Yeah, so he, last year, he kind of changes up his offering. He was throwing, I was just looking at it real quickly. Yeah, he start, he stopped throwing um, basically the change up a little bit last year and then got, went more to a curveball. And he was kind of more of a fastball, sink, a slider, curveball kind of guy. And then kind of ditched the change up that he had, had with the Pirates. That's one of the reasons. We had talked about this before. Um, Oh, I take that back. No, no, no. I take that back. So he was fastball, and then he ditched the he ditched the sinker last year, and then more more to sliders and curveballs. Um, but 
I guess they're kind of Fangraphs pitch uh, FX is kind of make, not making distinction in some places between what the sinker and what the changeup is. Either way, he he starts going to more of a three pitch kind of thing, and that's what the Astros have just done with pitchers. We talked about this with Verlander yesterday as well, and they did it with Charlie Morton too. Um, they just kind of change up your offering and then make you into just an insane strikeout pitcher. Verlander <laughs> yesterday starts off, lets up a, a leadoff home run to Austin Meadows, and that was really about the only thing that he did. He went seven innings, three hits, that one run was the that one solo homer was the only run struck out nine so yeah I think we're all over cold uh or excuse me all over these Astros pitchers again today slight favorite going here uh minus 136 but the over under on the game is seven which I believe is the lowest of the slate yeah lowest of the slate the next next one's up are seven and a half um yeah so I think I think easily Garrett Cole on DraftKings it's a little closer for me on FanDuel where our system is really calling out German Marquez as mm. because well because mostly because I think he's cheaper. He's fifteen hundred cheap. No, excuse me. No, I take it back. He's twenty five hundred cheaper than. Uh, oh no, no, fifteen hundred cheaper than than Cole, uh, who's eleven three. Marquez is nine eight. He gets Miami. He he last year not a guy that came out of nowhere, I guess, but I mean the strikeouts kind of did. He was through the minors. He was an eight and a half ish K guy. In his first season, he was eight point one seven Ks per nine. And then spikes at the 10.5. That's in course, too, with a 3.1 XFIP. Where do you think, you know, sure. we, we just talked about this with, with Cole, about whether we think these kind of strikeout numbers are sustainable. Are we in that zone with Marquez? I mean, he did it over almost 200 innings. And like I said, some of those innings were in cores. That's pretty damn impressive to have this, these kind of numbers. Uh, it helps when you push in the NL West all, in all the rest of your games. But what are your thoughts here? 10.5 Ks, where do we want to project him at? I don't think we can go that high, but if we think he's like nine and a half to 9.75 Ks per nine, I don't mind taking the savings here against a pretty bad Miami team. No, yeah, I love Marquez. I mean, the fact that he comes out last year adds to the K rate while maintaining his excellent ground ball rate, which was really kind of his calling card in the minors and and really why the Rockies acquired him from the Rays in the first place. You know, the the fact that he could go out there and still maintain a near 50% ground ball rate while adding two Ks per nine, it was definitely a welcome sight for them, I'm sure. Uh, the other thing you've got to really love about Marquez is the fact that he's just so young. You know, last year was his age 23 season, so it's certainly not unheard of for pitchers that young. You know, most pitchers that uh, of names that you've heard of, the great pitchers, aren't even in the majors by that age. You know, like they're they're coming up or they're you know scraping through in their September call up or something like that. So the fact that he put in a full season in his age 23 season and put up those numbers with Coors as his home park is really encouraging and basically taking the polar opposite in the NL anyway and heading into Miami uh, in April it's just a, a great spot so yeah I think it's totally justifiable to take the savings on him uh, and at least the opening lines had the Marlins scoring fewer runs than the race so yeah you get fewer K's with Marquez but getting him and, and that run safety against the Marlins seems great. Yeah, he's another one. When I see peripherals change from one season to the next, I want to look at pitch FX data and see if it's one of these real sustainable things, like has a clear change been made or if it's just maybe running hot for a few games. I mean, he did it for over 200 innings, so this is more of a question we had midway through last season rather than over the course of you know the offseason because I think that the, some of these things are just known qualities now. And Marquez just, yeah, he just changed what he was doing. He just all of a sudden, out of nowhere, started throwing a slider that he had never really thrown before. He had thrown it 4% of the time in 2017 through he quadrupled it up to 16% of the time and and that was and got rid of the fastball a little bit so he went more he was in 2017 he was fastball curveball mostly fastball curveball with these other offerings last year he was fastball slider curveball um so if you see if you know unless you think scouting catches up to him or something like that I do think that these are probably sustainable numbers it's really hard to strike out 10 and a half guys 
over the course of a season. So I don't think he probably lands there, but mm. he's definitely, I don't, I don't see him going back to being that eight strikeout per nine kind of guy. Yeah, All right, let's, have, let's, let's roll through a couple more of these pitchers. Oh, actually, one more thing about Marquez. This is a game, this is a day where win expectation, at least on the Vegas side, is pretty low across the board also. These are all very thin spreads. Marquez does represent the second highest, yeah, the second highest money line favorite at minus 152. That's the live line on it right now. It started at minus 137. It's up to minus 152. I wouldn't be, even be surprised to see that climb a little more over the course of the day. Now, the guy with the highest money line expectation today is Ross Stripling. Mm-hmm. Peripheral-wise, he's great, but I'm wondering your thoughts on they, the, the Dodgers – Man, they're so kid gloves, and they, I think they're still going to be. They have such a deep rotation, and we talked about this just forever last year about how the pitch counts on these guys were so low on a game-to-game basis. Where do we land with Stripling on projecting his innings pitched per game? Because that is actually a big question. Really, the difference between maybe him as a cash play and not is just trying to predict how far they're going to want to throw him in the game. I don't think I have any problem with the matchup. He's a minus-152 favorite. The freaking Diamondbacks have a 3.1 uh, expected run line. And I'm just worried about Stripling's overall innings. Are we still going to be worried about that going into this year with the Dodgers? Probably. I don't know why they would just go fundamentally change their philosophy overnight, right? So if they don't, uh, you know that getting six innings, well, you know that if you get six innings, he'll have been amazing because he'll have thrown like 80 pitches or whatever, uh, especially with Stripling, who, you know, did struggle getting a little banged up there. Uh, as the season went along and seemed to also fade in the second half, if you'll recall. You know, this guy was in the All-Star game, and then he just is kind of falling off a cliff towards the end of the season. So I don't see any reason why they would fundamentally change their approach with Stripling for this season. It's very, very good pitcher. I mean, really excellent peripherally. Ace-level stuff, if you really want to break it down. Uh, he's not exactly young anymore. He's 29 years old. So you, Not that he was that young last year, but... Uh, I don't know. I think there's reason for optimism as the season goes along that they might stretch him out. If you recall, too, Stripling was basically being reconverted into a starter after being a reliever for basically all the 2017 season. So I think there's some optimism that they stretch him out as the season goes along. But early in the season, it just doesn't seem like a risk we need to take. All right, the final guy that I think we can consider here for cash games is mostly DraftKings, I think, if we're going starting pitcher two. Although our our projection system right now has you just stacking Cole and Marquez and kind of being done with it. Although mm. Cole is the guy, if you run – I ran 10 lineups to start here. Cole – Oh yeah, Cole is ninety um, percent of them because Joey Lucchese is in the other is in the final ten percent. I think that would probably bear out if I ran over a hundred. Ran a hundred. Lucchese, he's another one, man. He's just a he was a, he was a prospect, so he didn't he's not coming out of nowhere. They did unleash him for a full basically or almost a full season last year. He pitched one hundred and thirty innings, but that was over twenty six games. He struck out more than ten Ks per nine. And unlike Marquez, this is something that he had done in the minors as well. He had had just really really good k numbers at almost every stop except for double a for the padres last season uh kept the walks under three in his age 24 season last year so that's a pretty impressive rookie year showing for a guy that's uh that pretty young um where do you want to project him do you see him as maybe just a, a cheaper option here he's another one he's about a minus 145 home favorite against a giants team that i mean i don't know if you saw the giants lineup yesterday, <laughs> but it was it was Oh boy! I, like this lineup, and they still had po- they had the corpses of Posey and Longoria oh, in there, poor Longoria. and that, um, and then they have Duggar, Panic, Crawford, Mac Williams. They gave Gerard Para, <laughs> Gerardo Para in there. Um, I think this was against the righty. Oh no, excuse me, no, they had Eric Latter. That was a lefty too. So, I mean, or can we feel good about just running Lucchese here? Uh, this Giants, it's mostly about the money line, the Giants lineup, and I, th- I actually think the peripherals for him are probably going to be real going forward. I'm a little concerned, like Stripling, about the innings pitch. The thoughts on Lucchese? Yeah, well, I think you you uh, took. 
you stole my thunder, is that a saying? Yeah, on Lucchese. I think the big issue with him is always going to be the innings pitched, at least as it's pretty early in his career here. You're not scared at all about the pedigree. He was actually just incredible in the minors. And, you know, some people were speculating that the Padres called him up a little bit too early last year. You know, because this is a guy, he was in low A ball in 2016, and he was incredible. And they just couldn't justify leaving him there. So they bumped him up to high A in 2017 and basically just struck out the ballpark at every stop along the way before they were finally like, fine, just pitch in the major. So let's see what happens. And then he was great there too. So yeah, he's just a great pitcher. Uh, and I actually think there's room for improvement on the ERA last season. I, I think he actually ran very bad in terms of home run to fly ball ratio, given that his home park is Petco. So I have no doubt that Lucchese is incredible and, and he's going to be a really strong pitcher for the Padres going forward. Uh, but the question is back to how does that manifest for DFS purposes? Uh, last year, Lucchese averaged five innings per start on the nose, 5.0 innings. Yep. And that's just often not enough for DFS purposes. You know, it causes a number of problems. Uh, the first is that, you know, you get points just for going deep into the game. So simply showing up gets you value in DFS. And the other is that it's very hard to get a win. Uh, and I think that's evidenced by the fact that last year he goes 130 innings. He That's just eight wins instead of being a very effective pitcher. It also exposes you to be more vulnerable to variance because uh, if you're going fewer innings, you have less time to kind of smooth out, you know, the one bad inning that happens here or there. So I think that I'm not super excited to play him for cash games just yet. I think he's another candidate that could get stretched out as the season goes along. I will say though, if you're just trying to compare him apples to apples to Stripling, Stripling is 1600 more than he is on FanDuel and that's or yep. on DraftKings, I'm sorry. And that's a joke. Like if you're picking between those two guys, in my mind, they're basically the exact same, and I'll just take Lucchese. Uh, but if you're comparing him to, say, German Marquez, who's 1,300 more, I would take Marquez every day of the week. Buddy, you read my mind, because that was maybe my next question about whether where you want the land between him and Stripling, even with the price factored in. But you answered it, and that's why we just, uh, you know, yeah. we're in sync, buddy. We're simpatico. Okay, we're gonna take <laughs> we're gonna take a quick break, and then we'll roll through some of these uh, cash game stacks on offense. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Let's talk credit card debt for a minute. If you feel you're carrying too much of it, you're not alone. The average household in the U.S. carries over eight thousand dollars in credit card debt. Ready for some good news? With a cash-out refinance from Quicken Loans, you can quickly and easily put some of the equity in your home to good use by paying off a lot of that high-interest credit card debt. A great way to take cash out is with our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN to learn how taking cash out with a 30-year fixed mortgage might be the right solution for you. And for a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's big fall sale. Get thousands of styles from just five bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long sleeve tees for the whole family. And stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 70 percent off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just five bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid ten fifteen to ten twenty five. Select styles only. All right, let's talk some stacks here. Uh, like I mentioned at the top, we have some very ro- low ro- row. Jesus, 
we have some very low run lines <laughs> across the board here, which is always going to make us, I, I can see like, you know, feeling a little discomfort about some of these guys. Cause I, th- I feel like we're going to sort of apologetically say we're going to stack against some of these pitchers. And that's just, that, that's just the nature of, that's just the nature of this slate. There's just, if we had a few more teams here, I think we'd have a chance at a few more bad arms, but we really don't have the luxury of that today. But uh, that doesn't mean there's not going to be some value here. Where do you think you're going to start in terms of, I mean, or do you think you're going to maybe just piecemeal it across the, just kind of across the landscape, a guy or two from each team? Or can you see a team that we could maybe hit the stacking feature on here and feel comfortable at it in cash? Yeah, I mean, at least early on, our system is still seeing a lot of value coming from the Blue Jays here. And I know it didn't work out yesterday, but <laughs> buckle up, friends. We got seven months left of baseball season. And there's just going to be some days where you stack a team that looked terrible the day before. Uh, I'm not ready to write the Blue Jays off, Doug, after a one-game sample. So I think running them against Matthew Boyd today seems like a pretty good option. I mean, not only are a lot of these Blue Jays guys pretty cheap, but Boyd... He's got to be one of the worst pitchers on the slate. And I know there was improvements last season. Like, you know, the peripherals looked a lot better, at least in terms of the strikeouts and the walks. He added a strikeout and took away a walk, which you'd love to see. Um, but the thing that's always going to plague Boyd is the home run ball. And it's this, could be saying the exact same thing yesterday. I forgot how baseball podcasts tend to work this way. But uh, last year, he really was a sight to behold in terms of putting the ball in the air at 29% ground ball rate last year. It was one of the highest in the majors. And, uh, you know, he'll continue to brush up against historical levels if that trend continues so last year the 472 xfip like i said on a day where teams are pitching their pitcher twos he's one of the most generous pitcher twos going on the slate so i'm ready to roll back on the blue jays today i think vegas has them as the highest implied total right now and that looks like it's for good reason where i'm sitting from yeah, it's cold in Toronto again, so you're going to get the roof closed. That's yeah. going to help. Like from the power expectation, I will say this game started at nine, is down to eight and a half. Uh, that okay. is not because that's not because still of the, the highest line of the day. Yeah, no, that's just still because I think that's just the pitching and just like the state of the Blue Jays probably. But that line came down evenly on both sides. It started up for uh, started at nine. Uh, the money line did not change at all. It was just the over under came down, so it came down evenly up on the Blue Jays side and on the Tiger side. Yeah, I'm with you. And the, you're still getting that, some cheaper value. They moved Brandon Drury up to the leadoff spot. He projects to hit there again. Uh, and that was against the righty yesterday. I suspect he's going to hit there again against the lefty. I mean, I don't know if they're going to move like Teoscar Hernandez up there. I suppose we keep an eye on what the Blue Jays' platoon splits are going to be, depending on what they're playing with, between the righties and lefties. I have them projected for the same starting lineup that they had yesterday. Obviously, they got rid of Kendrick Schmalerhaus, um, so that's going to move. The reason that it's important, though, is because that's going to move a pre-priced player at le- up at least one spot in the lineup, and there is a pretty big jump in terms of plate appearance expectation just moving from the sixth spot to, like, the fourth spot. Um, that really is actually the fit. The sixth spot to the fifth spot is where you see the biggest – final jump in terms of overall plate appearance expectation over the course of a season. Um, so each one of those incremental movements up uh, when you get rid of a guy like Morales is going to help. And I, yeah, so yesterday their lineup was Drury, don't mind him, Grichik, that's a guy that's had decent platoon splits mm-hmm. in the past. Um, I will say some of these other platoon splits like Smoke and Pilar are coming off seasons where they were bad against lefties, but that historically has not really been the case for them. So um, keep an eye out for the, what they're going to end up doing here for the Blue Jays. But I, I think I'm with you. I, I don't care that they didn't score any runs yesterday. That doesn't, that's not the kind of thing that bothers me, although I know – uh, for many years. It doesn't bother you yet, buddy. Wait till you get in the chat room tonight. We'll see if it bothers you. <laughs> I, I do know it bothers, it bothers other people. I can't even get it out. It doesn't bother other people. I don't mind stacking. Derek Holland last year got up to almost a strikeout per nine, a, stri- a strikeout uh, 
per inning guy last year at 8.8 Ks mm -hmm. per nine. Still walks a lot of guys. I mean, some of these peripherals are from relief appearances too. So I'm not like totally buying the full season's worth of really, really good strikeout numbers. Uh, still had an XFIP over four. It's the Padres. The park is bad, but they have... I mean, they're, at least their run expectation is 4.2. That's in line with some of these other teams, like 4.4, 4.5 is where we had the Blue Jays. They're not too far off these other teams. Again, this is low across the board. But their team, too, you know, they're going to hit Kinsler leadoff. I don't mind playing him at all on FanDuel. He's still coming very cheap second base position. They're going to have uh, Will Myers near the top of the lineup. They did move uh, – I thought they were going to have oh, – yeah, they did bring out Tatis to start the season. He, they hit lower in the lineup, so I don't know if we're going to get great value on him. And then they have like guys like, obviously, Machado and Framil Reyes. I, I mean, could you see stacking some Padres here? The park is bad, but I, and I think that this was a full slate. This would not be a team we'd be talking about. And I can kind of see throwing – I mean, at least right now, Kinsler and Myers are in our top overall FanDuel lineup. I don't mind it at all. Uh, do you think we could stack them here against Holland? Yeah, actually, you know, the, the Padres are a team that I wrote up for our, uh, what, what do we call it, our betting series, I guess, sure. prior to baseball season. And while I think Vegas was ultimately a little bit too bullish on them just by the addition of Machado, they actually have some other pretty interesting pieces here that I think sometimes go overlooked. You know, like Franville Reyes last year was just one of the better hitters on the Padres overall. And a guy who topped 800 OPS, like he's a legitimate major league bat. He's young and, and could continue to improve. If you're not up on the prospect game, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. is just one of the top two or three prospects in all of baseball. And the fact that he broke camp with the Padres lets you know that they're probably feeling like he's pretty ready. And then you have post-hype sleepers like Will Myers. Myers goes out yesterday, uh, goes two for two with a walk, a home run, and I guess, was it a double or a single? I can't remember, but just looked great on opening day too. And again, we don't want to get carried away by one game sample size, but I think this is a team that could be poised to make a leap that a lot of people aren't quite ready for, or if they do, they're just assigning it to the addition of Machado. So I think there's more credible bats on the Padres now than there have been in recent past. And it definitely wouldn't surprise me to see them, you know, surprising some people early on. That being said, you know, stacking the Padres against a number two starter in Petco is rarely where you want to be. It's just that today, you know, while it's not, there's not a lot of pitchers that we wanted to talk about or choose from, but most of the pitchers going today are not the type you want to stack against either. So I think on that day, Derek Holland is still in the very bottom tier of the pitchers going. And I, th I think for that reason, you could definitely find some value here. Yeah, by the way, just real quick on Firmino Reyes, his splits from last season, it was only 94 plate appearances. He had over 1,000 OPS versus lefty pitchers. I, like, the sample size is small. Sure. The Babbitt the Babbit was really driven. I like to look at numbers that are sustainable, like 12% walk rate. You know, like that's yeah. a number that I can really kind of sink my teeth into. I think he's a good uh, player. Yeah, so like he's, you know, if, if you're looking to stack the top of this lineup, you can easily go Kinsler, Myers, Machado. Oh, Kinsler, I bet can, I, I would imagine Kinsler can still hit lefties like Derek Holland. You know, like Kinsler certainly lost a step or two in his older age here, but, you know, the one thing he's always made his bones on is hitting lefties. And I think well, no. Derek Holland's still in that category for me. So. Well, I was talking about it. Go look up Kinsler's splits from last year. I don't want to go look at it. Let's just keep moving on. <laughs> it was, the OPS was in the fours. I actually had to make sure the column was populating correctly because um, against lefties. Like, oh. Oh, yeah, 4.486. Uh, we had a 7.10 OPS overall last year. He's going to lead off. I don't know. Better no, no, can't not, be choosers, my friend. 
I'm not going crazy. The BAPIF was really low. It's just funny because, like, if you if I'm going to use the sample size on frame array to to help me out, I guess I need to probably be no. That's not. Honest. Let me let me let me teach you something then, Doug. Strap in for a second while Uncle James teaches you something about baseball. <laughs> so the difference between Kinsler and or Kin, yeah Kinsler and Framel Reyes is that we have a huge entire body of work on Kinsler, yeah. which with which to draw from, and with Framel Reyes we don't. So. And with Reyes, he's young, so you know forecasting improvement is not unreasonable. So the idea that he could have been running hot last year and he could improve in his age 23 season into the player that he looked like he was last year, also not unreasonable. So like I don't think Kinsler, or, I'm sorry, Reyes is going to go in 900 OPS this season or anything. But if he's an 810 OPS guy after being an 838 OPS guy last year, I don't think it would be you know too surprising or too unreasonable. So that's just uh, the distinction I wanted to make there. Oh, thanks, Dad, for teaching me something. Why don't you give us one You're more welcome, stack? <laughs> give us one more stack before we get out of here. No problem, little guy. Let me see what else I got here. So uh, <laughs> if we're looking at pitchers that are underwhelming that are pitching today, I think Matt Harvey has still got to be there. Uh, right. Harvey last season actually really improved over the just horrid 2017 campaign uh, in which he went out there. And this was really back-to-back years of him producing like this, but where he marched out there, you know, this new post-injury version of himself and had a 651 or 6.51 Ks per nine and a 4.56 walks per nine. Simply awful, 670 RA, 539 XFIP. Uh, eventually changed his teams last year and now he's on the Angels. Even the pitcher he was last year, although it was quote-unquote improved over the 2017 version, which again, it'd be hard not to be, he's still not a good pitcher. So striking out fewer than eight guys per nine. Uh, not a ton of walks, but Another guy who leaves a lot of balls up in the air. I think Harvey, again, on a slate where you're getting mostly pretty reasonable pitchers, going against, going up against the Oakland A's, I guess I haven't mentioned them yet, uh, going up against the A's, I, I still think there's a decent chance that this A's team, with some of their bigger bats, can body him a little bit. So, uh, yeah, Harvey's another guy. Also, he can, things can really just come off the rails for Harvey as well with the home run ball. So, I, you know, again, taking all that together, I think he's an interesting guy to stack against, if not for cash, at least for big tournaments. Yeah, and I think it would be interesting. I wonder if they're going to get the A's are going to get Kendrick Morales into the middle of that lineup. They hit Grossman leadoff. They went very the kind of righty heavy. That's sort of been yeah. where they've been um, just season over season. So it's how they roll. You don't love the platoon here, but I think that's going to, losing Matt Olson, but they get replaced him with Kendrick Morales. I, I think Morales will be in the lineup today. I'm not totally sure. You could probably stack the other side of this game too. The A's, excuse me, the Angels against Marco Estrada. Estrada was terrible last year. My God, 5.79 xFIP, K's under six. This line has flipped from open. So it opened with the A's at minus 112, um, and it has now flipped over onto the Angels' side. The Angels are getting 4.4 expected runs. Uh, the A's are 4.2. Again, that still represents like one of the highest over-unders of the entire day at 8.5. So do, do with that as you will. It does feel like Estrada is the, Estrada is the worst pitcher of these two. The problem is the, the Angels' lineup is has really no, almost nothing besides Trout. I mean, they have Bohr uh, that adds at least a lefty bat behind him, like a real lefty bat, because I think Bohr is good. Um, you don't mind seeing him behind it, but this rest of the, I mean, Trout signs this big contract, and I just don't know where the rest of the talent is coming from. That's really the, the sad thing to see. Mm-hmm. You know, Calhoun, no thanks. Pujols is a total disaster. Simmons wasn't bad last year, but not a guy you want hitting fifth. And then that's the top of the lineup. Then they go Cozart, yeah, Lucroy, yeah. Fletcher, Bohr, <laughs> Borjos. So the problem is, but the Angels is not so much are you getting a bad pitcher. It's like where do you, which one of these guys do you even feel comfortable playing? I think that's besides Trout. Obviously, I don't need to mention him. Yeah, so. well, that's the other side of the coin today in general, which is that you know some of the bad pitchers like Holland are just not up against you know particularly intimidating teams. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a tricky day. I will say days like today, 
you know, put your variance pants on because when there's so many similar situations, you just got to understand that. And, and not all these situations are excellent. You got to understand that sometimes, you know, Toronto's going to go in and face a Matt Boyd and, and just not perform, right? So, yeah, it's a, it's definitely a little bit of a dicey day, but I think we have enough, especially on the pitcher side and especially on DraftKings, I think we can generate enough value there that I think it's still playable. And by the way, I, I glossed over Trout in like the, oh, it's Mike Trout. He's in 100% of all of our lineups every site today. Like this is exactly the guy you want to play Mike Trout against. The guy that cannot strike. You, you, really can, you can make a case to play Trout all the time, no, no matter what. But, um, <laughs> but especially against the guy who can't strike anybody out, walks a lot of guys. Um, I have no problem. Even if he's the one-off that you have for the Angels, no problem going there. All right, we're going to get out of yeah. here. Trout reverse platoon split guy too, by the way. You know, not only is he great, but he's, he was much better against righty pitching last season too. So, yeah, phenomenal play. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started on a free on a membership three three day membership uh, to our excuse me premium projections for MLB NBA as well optimal lineups for FanDuel DraftKings it's all covered under one subscription package so go check that out DFSR.com slash deals we're also gonna be doing our NBA podcast today I'm gonna put them both in the same feeds as we're getting new listeners for both so I'll put them up as special episodes so if you see those that won't be forever but I'm just trying to yeah, go over and convert so if you see this on your basketball feed uh, go over and subscribe to it on iTunes Stitcher iHeartRadio we're all, all over all those platforms because that's where we're going to post our baseball podcast from here on out. Buddy, enjoy your Friday in the MLB. Peace. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's largest mortgage lender. Let's talk credit card debt for a minute. If you feel you're carrying too much of it, you're not alone. The average household in the U.S. carries over $8,000 in credit card debt. Ready for some good news? With a cash-out refinance from Quicken Loans, you can quickly and easily put some of the equity in your home to good use by paying off a lot of that high-interest credit card debt. A great way to take cash out is with our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN to learn how taking cash out with a 30-year fixed mortgage might be the right solution for you. And for a record nine years in a row, J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in the nation in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. For J.D. Power award information, visit jdpower.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Fall is finally here, and so is Old Navy's Big Fall Sale. Get thousands of styles from just 5 bucks. All your fall favorites are on sale now. Layer up with $5 tees and $10 long-sleeve tees for the whole family, and stock up on sweaters and dresses for just $15. Plus, save even more with up to 75% off clearance styles. Don't miss out. Hurry in for thousands of styles from just 5 bucks now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1015 to 1025, select styles only. 